who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today, from divorce to call-out culture to masculinity to girls' confidence. Season two of Thread the Needle finds the meeting place between feminist ideals and the realities of women's lives. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. The New Yorker calling the L word, quote, truly idiotic. Yes. Is like, I, I want a tattoo of that. Yeah. Like, it is it is so vicious and so accurate. And like, moments of it are truly idiotic. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is already feeling prided out. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we are diking out with Grace Perry about the gay 2000s, which sounds pretty fetch to me. That's hot. That's hot. We're going to get so crunk on this episode. I can't wait. Uh, Yes. We have a bunch of shows coming up that we want to tell you about, Uh, some that will be in person, some that will be online, some that might be both in person and online. So we already mentioned June 26th after the Dyke March, we have a show at Good Judy in Brooklyn. Tickets should go on sale this week. As we mentioned, we're going to release them to our patrons first. And then if there's any leftover, we'll put them to the general public because it's a smaller space than we're used to. And, you know, pandemic, COVID, safety, you have to be vaccinated, all that good stuff. On the lineup, we have past guests like Lindsay Bowling, Ashley Ray, Julia Shiplet. It's going to be so much fun. And of course, your co-hosts with the mo-hosts. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, also, on June 30th, we're going to be judging a cocktail competition for Jägermeister and Yelp. And that's going to be yep. broadcast online. Yep. Proceeds will go to the Lesbian Bar Project. We will be... Mixing predetermined cocktails and judging them and getting paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The dream. 
these are the pride events that I am okay with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Proud to do that. Please give us money to get tipsy. We like yep. it. Uh, I love it. Another show that we're doing, speaking of the Lesbian Bar Project, you know, they're in their second round of funding right now. They had a very successful first round, and their documentary is out. Reminder, if you haven't watched it, you can watch it for free at their website. To kind of cap off and rally at the end of this uh, second fundraising leg, July 1st, can you believe it, Melody? We're back at Stonewall. I cannot. For the Lesbian Bar Project, we're going to be raising money for them. We're going to be putting on a show. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, uh, you need to be vaccinated. We'll keep you posted on tickets. We are figuring out the details right now. It's all coming together. We need to get our lineup and everything. But we do know it's going to be a blast. This much I know is true. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, we're going to be indoors doing comedy. In July. It won't even be Pride Month. Can you believe it? We're doing a gay no. show outside of Pride Month. So shows on shows on shows. I'm so excited. Oh, and for anybody who's in Queens, I'm going to be doing a show at QED. So look at my Instagram for that. And uh, this is going to be my first show that I'm on that I'm not hosting. Like my first real comedy show since the pandemic that's not a Zoom show. So uh, it's at QED. This Thursday the 17th in Queens at QED. I will be there performing. I think the show is at 7, but just look on my Instagram and I'll be posting details. Oh, interesting. And you've got dueling shows Uh, from co-host that night. If you're in Brooklyn and you want to see me. Queens versus Brooklyn. No, you guys can go see Carolyn. I mean, I'm rusty getting back out there. Yeah, get out. Skip it. No. (laughs) Skip it. Brooklyn Dykes, go see Melody. Queens Dykes, come see me. Mm -hmm. Blinkies, Thursday night, the 17th. We're back, baby. I'm willing to share the listeners. I'm I'm willing to share the fans, Melody. I know nobody from Brooklyn is coming to Queens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Unforge. Not that much has changed. People in Brooklyn still aren't going to Queens post-pandemic, <laughs> even though you should. QED is a wonderful place that needs to be supported. All right, Melody, what's mm-hmm. the gayest thing you did this week? I mean, so much to choose from. We're mid-June. Like, what do I even pick? Is it my real Elward rewatch? Because that felt really gay. But, you know, something even gayer did happen. I went to a raffle fundraiser event for the Dyke March. Nice. Um, Diking out, contributed to it. And so it was interesting. I got to walk around. There was like a hour and a half of like drinks and getting your raffle tickets and kind of putting them into little... Um, buckets ne- under what it was. So I got to see how many people were interested in um, uh, coming to our show. That's what we raffled off two tickets to our show, which will be after the Dyke March. Um, was it a luckily, hot ticket? Yeah, not the hottest. I mean, but also the hottest was like an Alison Bechtel, like original print. Um, okay, but, we can't compete with that. Yeah, can't. That's fine. Lindsay Bowling, I went with, um, she won just the mother load lesbian herstory archives donated all these used sapphic books with like 
notes in them. Um, wow. Three tote bags from Lesbian Her Story archives. Totes. Uh, T-shirts. She gave me one. They gave her so many totes. Wow. That was great. So I was happy just getting a, a tote from her lot that she won. I wasn't expecting to win anything. Right. <laughs> until they called my ticket for a motorcycle ride at the Dyke Marge. Wow. I'm going on the back of a Dykes motorcycle from the Sirens Motorcycle Club. I mean, I've been instructed to wear pants that day so I don't get exhaust burns. Like, that alone made me excited. Wow. <laughs> like, just that little caveat. I, that, I did, I was... <laughs> Melody? That made it so exciting. I was like, oh, it's on. Potentially dangerous? This is, this is huge. I am both thrilled and devastated because this was going to be our first Dyke March marching together. I know. And you instead are doing one of the most coveted things to do. It's really hard to get one of the rides on the back of these motorcycles and you are they lead the march making the right choice. Yeah, it was tough. I was going to actually um, tell them they could give it away because wanted to march with everyone and then Allie was like wait what like um and then Allie can march with me as a consolation I actually decided everyone needs to get there early and march directly behind the motorcycles and breathe in the fumes yeah have it all (laughs) that's what I want yeah I'll come with my earplugs Um, and my uh hey the gals from Lesbian Bar Project said they would. My so. mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double mask for the exhaust. I have fumes a gas and- mask and earplugs <laughs> and I can't wait to do it. I'm going to get some roller skates and then you're just going to pull me on a rope behind I know. you. <laughs> Please, though. Can everyone just kind of march towards the front? Um, I, I can't turn this down, right? You can't turn it down. This is glorious. I'm so excited. Yeah. That's amazing. And you're yeah. gonna, what are you gonna do? Like, you don't know the person. I don't know who I'm writing who with. You're yet. Writing I know who I've been emailing with, but I think it's just like the president of the club. So you're gonna get but, on the back of this motorcycle and just be like whispering secrets into their ear the whole time? Like, how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna do I'm just hanging out? I, I don't know, but who I'm emailing with people from the Sirens. It's the Sirens Women's Motorcycle Club of New York City. Just check them out. I did a lot of research on them. It seems like an amazing organization. I They would lead like regular pride marches. Um, they're fantastic. Amazing. Um, they all have like dyke in their uh, email signatures. So I'm so excited. Great. That's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally like, the yeah. gayest thing. Totally. That's the gayest thing. The gayest thing. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's wait, the gayest wait, wait. thing you, you did this You forgot week? to, <laughs> Melody, you forgot to mention our very generous donation to the Dyke March. Oh, yes. That we made. We made a thousand dollar donation. Using none of our money. (laughs) None of our money, but on behalf of Diking Out and our sponsor, Maker's Mark. Yes. Shout out to Chelsea Melvin from Maker's Mark. Hooking it up. Hooked it up and I had no idea. Just like whispered to me like, tell them you're going to donate a thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, it's that's sexy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Chelsea, thank you so much. And uh, love 
our partnership that we have with makers and that we are able to support the Dyke March that way. That's great. A thousand bucks to to help make sure that everyone is safe, that everything is organized, mm-hmm. that everything runs the way that it should. And if you're in New York or plan on being in New York for the Dyke March, make sure you're following them on Instagram for all the details and maybe ways to get involved. There are Dyke Marches in not just New York. Right. They have DC Dyke March. Isn't there Chicago? There. So just look up Find your local your Dyke local March. Find your local Dyke March and get planning. Mm-hmm. Well, Carolyn, what's the gayest thing you did this week? It's very triggering, Melody, because <laughs> the gayest thing I did this week was with my dear wife, Cecilia, and it was our attempt to humanely evict the raccoons that moved in under our bedroom. God. <laughs> Where do I start? I know. Yeah. Midnight, Friday night, in bed. All of a sudden, we hear the sound of a wild animal. We don't know what it is. It sounds like it's outside. But then we hear it move from one side of the room to the other, and then are wondering, is it inside? Because that's what it sounds like. So it's pitch black. We hear this uh, distress (laughs) call from not just a raccoon, a baby raccoon, a kit, multiple kits we learn. It was a mom and three kits found their way under our house. We don't have a basement or anything. It's like a very small crawl space that a human can't really access by the time it gets under our bedroom. So we didn't know what to do. You could hear them. They were scratching the shit out of things. <laughs> Thankfully, there's no uh, electrical under there because raccoons are known to chew through uh, electrical and start a uh, house fires, start electrical That's fires what you that want. way. Yeah. yeah. So a very chill, chill time with these raccoons, hearing them terrorize us. But what are we to do to get rid of them? Because we don't want to kill them. We don't want to separate the mom from the kids. We're going to do it humanely like the good lesbians. We are respecting that mom. So we just tried to be really bad roommates. That involved, you know, on the hour during the day, just stomping around my floor, doing jumping jacks, you know, making it not a comfy place for them to sleep. Uh, We set up a raccoon watch. So we have all these uh, solar outdoor lights and we position them all at the opening of where the raccoon was getting in and out. And we figured out the mom's schedule for what time she came out. We played on YouTube uh, channels of dogs barking just to scare them a little bit and try to get them to think like this isn't a great place to live. Uh, and we we got into a routine of doing this every day. Didn't think I was going to have to devote so many hours. We sprinkled Epsom salts uh, around, and it it was cute. Okay, the raccoon would come out. It was a huge. Is that the ge- why it's gay? <laughs> that we thought it was cute. That Cecilia yeah, that got attached. Stopping. Yeah, that I was gonna. I was waiting for Cecilia's. Cecilia part in got attached. You know. Cecilia has been living like a Disney princess with all the animals on her property. If you follow her on Instagram, ceci.bergier, uh, you will see that she's constantly posting about all the animals on her property. She also uh, gives them all names. And uh, it, 
it's not a fairy tale though when they're living under your bedroom let me tell you and at first she was like how the hell did they get in under our floor I'm like well maybe if you weren't giving them names they wouldn't feel so at home here Maybe they're feeling a little bit too comfortable on our property and we need to be uh, a little bit more unwelcoming. Yeah, it's the energy she's putting out. It is. Too welcoming. It is because she's really witchy. and She's summoning him. The things that she she wants happens. So Mm -hmm. she wants there to be as many animals as possible on the property. And then we have raccoons nesting under us. So we were watching and it was a mom with the three kits and the, the baby raccoons. They're very cute. It was very cute to watch. And then Cecilia got very emotional and was like, maybe they can stay. I'm like, no, because one day we're going to be walking on our floor and it's just going to collapse because (laughs) they have ruined the structural integrity or they're going to climb into the wall somehow. Like we can't abide by this. So I'm happy to report that our friends, there is no mountain. The people who sing our theme song, the amazing humans they came and fixed everything wrong in my life. They didn't even do anything. I think their presence just put out, you know, this thing into the atmosphere that was like, raccoons, it's your time to go. And the one night that they stayed over at our place, the raccoons left. They are gone. We sealed off the entrance. It's done. Congratulations. Thank you. I... You know firsthand that this has been stressing this me out. This has been interfering with our recordings, um, <laughs> meetings, like... <laughs> Yeah, I'll be doing something and then all of a sudden I hear like all this noise and it, it was like a like psychological torture uh, for me. The the noise, it's very menacing. It's menacing. And then just knowing that they have opposable thumbs. Yes. <laughs> On top of it. Yes. Knowing how, how smart they are and what they can do and not knowing what's going to happen next. Not how, like I was looking online and it was like, uh, let them stay until fall. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Like, hell. The first thing I said when I realized that they were under the floor, I was like, we're selling the house. Like, that's it. I'm not, I can't, I can't do this. But it's fine. It all worked out. So we're staying here. Mm. Okay. Raccoon Saga 2021 in the books. Over. So I guess it's time to dike out. With our guest for this week, Los Angeles-based writer Grace Perry. We're diking out about the gay 2000s. You've seen her work on The Onion and Reductress. I'm sure you've shared many an article and headline. And now she has a book out called The 2000s Made Me Gay. Let's get to it. Grace, thank you so much for being here and diking out with us today. How are you? I am so good, and I'm so thrilled to dike out. Yes, I've been I've been waiting so long to dike out. I know, finally. I know. I've had I've had my <laughs> eye on you. Well, for uh, your reductress pieces, but also since you came out with the podcast, "Who Killed Jenny Schechter," and I was obsessed. And oh my god, I'm so glad I. I feel like 10 people listened to that podcast. Yeah, but it was I was one of them. Very, very fun. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, it was basically, it was me and my friend Aaron Sullivan, who um, is like an autostraddle Twitter person. And we had this idea, obviously like at like, you know, some 
queer dance night or something. And we were like, we have to do a, a, a Jenny Schechter true crime podcast. Right. So I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, it was it was super fun to work on. And that's how I know oh. Tian. She, oh, amazing. Was, she did a voice. Amazing. Yeah. Past guest Tian Tran. Yeah, it, it was right before uh, Generation Q came out that that podcast dropped. And then how disappointed were you when they revealed what actually happened to Jenny Schechter? Okay, so I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch all of Generation. Oh, that's fine. Because I was just okay, but but but, but, but do you know that, yeah. it was that it was a like, suicide? Was it suicide? Su- yeah, she suicided just... herself in Beth's pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's after all this time, like they clearly wanted so badly to like make us the farm because yeah. they had like the Alice the farm. Jill. Yeah. Yes, yes, the, the farm, of course, of course. Right. And I think Eileen probably really wanted it to go somewhere else. And they're just like, it was a suicide, but let's move on. <laughs> right. And what's crazy, though, is I thought the way that they kind of brought it up when Bet talks about it, that maybe there'd be like some more mention of it along the way. Because I was like, there's no way they're just leaving it. That's like just a that. sentence, yeah. And is they that, did. Is that what they and they're do? pretending mm. they're just pretending Jenny <laughs> never existed to the point where it's like Shane opens this bar and they call it Dana's when Dana was like really mean to Shane. Uh they weren't really friends and Shane and Jenny were like roommates and lovers. Like wouldn't she have called it Jenny's? Okay, I never. I, okay, again, did not finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, because I was like, this, this is. Boring. I hope you don't mind these spoilers. Um, but, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living. But um, oh my god, I never put together. Obviously, I knew about the Dana's thing. Yeah. Um, because they they shot that at a a, a bar in my old neighborhood, which is now oh. doing like a like Dana's night, or they were like starting to do that, and then COVID happened, so they didn't actually do it. But hopefully, that'll start up again. Um, but. Uh, I never put together that like they are like clearly memorializing Dana and then are just like fuck Jenny Schechter which like that okay I will say that like mentioning Jenny's death one time and then moving on and like giving like no actual explanation is actually the most L-word thing you could right like just having it make like absolute like Mm -hmm. nonsensical plot and just kind of arbitrarily deciding like who what matters and what doesn't. And right. Yeah. Like that, oh, yeah. of course, like that is the spirit of the After one whole so. season of who killed Jenny Schechter, one season that was so focused on it. They, they bring in Xena <laughs> warrior princess to solve the crime. Yeah. <laughs> and she would have known right away if it was a suicide, you know, Jenny would have had rocks never in her pockets. Get over or, okay. Just I know. Never- we can- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melody, go, go ahead. I know you have more important <laughs> things mean, to say. Before we get into all of that, Grace, we do need to ask you, what is the gayest thing you did this week? Aside from this little L word conversation. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the past five minutes. Of the gayest thing I did this week. Uh, um, actually, that is not even true. The gayest thing I did this week, like, like the the easy answer is that my book, the two thousands made me gay came out this week. So like releasing that and doing those book events have all been, I've been like very much talking about gay stuff all week. Uh, but also going surfing with my girlfriend this morning, yes! just a, very, a very nice gay outing. So, you know, it's our, it's our, so little, you can just... our little gay hobby that we have together. <sighs> and um, wow. sometimes we you can see just do, do a class and pick it up and love it. Um, yeah. How do you get into it? Uh, pick it up is generous uh we we uh took a few lessons with a um 
with like an instructor and we took like five and then we were like, we just have to go flap our little wings now. So we finally bought wetsuits. We're going to get, um, our, we have like crappy foam boards right now, but we're going to get real boards and we're just, the only way to like, it's just one of those things that you just have to do it a lot to get better at it. So we are like, okay, we have decided that we are like committing ourselves to this lifestyle and, um, (laughs) I'm not very good. Um, so I'll update you when I'm actually really Mm -hmm. shredding, (laughs) et cetera. Um, but no, it's like, it's like such a nice way to, I mean, I live so fucking far from the beach, but like, it's great to have an excuse to like get out there and be like, oh yeah, I do live in California. Like I'm right. just like in this <laughs> neighborhood in the ba- basically in the desert. Where do you go to surf? We went down to kind of like, like South, like, oh, cool. uh, we were in like Redondo beach. Okay. Now. Um, but anything that is, uh, like Manhattan beach, haven't gone all the way down to orange County yet, though. Apparently there are some good beaches down there i'm just learning the lingo yeah baby it feels so good to be like bad at something and not really care about getting good at it you know what i mean that's like, how i, I felt about like tennis yeah I took did tennis you, lessons you, and, and i and amazing. i didn't stick with it um i wasn't that good at it but i didn't care it was just like i just thought it was something that i should do and try yeah no it's it's great to be like i'm you know i'm 31 I know that I'm not going to like, I don't know. It's like, I feel like there's that when you're in your like teens and early twenties, you're like, I could magically be really good at something. And I just haven't discovered <laughs> what that is yet. Right. Like trying different things. And then like, none of those things actually work out. But like, I think once I like, maybe after, when, once I reached like 25 or 26 or something, I was like, Oh, that's, I actually have to work hard to like make things that I want happen. Like I'm not like, right. magic like that. Yeah. And so with this, it's like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to like be a great surfer. Like that's not my life. I can just kind of do it and have fun. And, um, once again, I must emphasize occasionally see dolphins, Um, (laughs) but it feels, yeah, it feels really good. Melody, is there anything that have you done anything that's like a, like hobby? I don't know. Like, I feel like quarantine hobbies Hmm, for people. What did we say my quarantine hobby was recently? Oh, starting the rumor about Ellen DeGeneres and it was a joke. Uh, It was a joke. Yeah, I was that just going to say. No, I, um, I do want to get back into snowboarding. I um, was a snowboarder as a kid mm. and um, then moved to Chicago, where you're from. Uh, spent like all my 20s there and then, oh. um, yeah, stopped. I still have my snowboard. I want to get back into it. That's going to be like my surfing. I'm slightly older than the two of you. But when you mentioned the one thing when you're a teen and you're like, oh, yeah, I could easily get into that. Was it a universal thing where we all thought we'd be good at extreme rollerblading? Or is that just me? <laughs> like when the extreme sports kind of became a thing. And, and I was like, well, I have rollerblades. I can just like go down a rail. Was it like, were you heavily influenced by the Disney Channel original? Yes. Movie Soul skaters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he very lesbian. Eric Von Detten is a lesbian crush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very like, also like young Leo, like the, like the long yeah. hair. Maybe it was of. that. I forgot about that. No, I, I felt like I was that. just inspired by like MTV had shows like battle of the sexes, but they also just had all these different things going on and they would have a focus on these extreme sports and somehow that fit in with music television, maybe with like the whole punk scene, punk pop. Yeah. There's totally like, that was very, I feel like the, 
you know, like this, not that I was like in the skating scene, like this is literally me. I'm basing this off of like playing Tony Hawk pro skater for Nintendo 64. Um, <laughs> right. But, like, I'm like, oh yeah. Like the, the like punk scene is very like, like skater and music all kind of like intermixing. Yeah. Like, at least that's what it was. On all of it. Show. Like the right. finger skateboarding, like it was just like the culture. Do you remember those? What were they called? The deck? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I like that. My, my heart just like stopped <laughs> at the thought of like the, like the little finger. Yeah. Like we all oh, or like pack sun like etnies shoes didn't matter if we actually sk- it was mm-hmm. that was just the style yeah the aesthetic the mm-hmm. aesthetic was strong yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 that's why i got excited when you said surfing because blue crush um was the 2000s movie that made me gay um <laughs> right that is, right that's a big one yes. like i don't think that like like i definitely have know a lot of people who, who have said the same thing and like i don't know it just didn't hit me in the same way or maybe i didn't see it until i was like out of my teens or something. But yes, that is like definitely a gay mm-hmm. cultural touchstone, I think, for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah, we hear that a lot. Well, okay, before we jump into talking Battle of the Sexes MTV and, and the many other things that are in your book, The 2000s Made Me Gay, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Okay, well, I'm a Scorpio son. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Chicago. I went to school on the East Coast, lived in New York for a little bit, then lived in Chicago again in my 20s, and then I moved out to LA a few years ago. So um, kind of making my way west. You know, so hopefully next week will be if I get yeah. a really good surfer. Right. Yeah, I'm a freelance writer, journalist. I wrote a lot for Reductress. Um, I've written uh, headlines for The Onion. I've written essays and stuff that have been several places on the internet that you can Google yourselves. Uh, And yeah, I I wrote this book. Um, It started out, The 2000s Made Me Gay started out with um, just kind of, I was writing an essay about I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. And it started, I wrote that in 2018. And the idea was to like pitch that around as like a 10 year retrospective on the song because I was like, this fucked me up in certain ways. And, here's how. <laughs> um, and, and you know, not in a, not in a way to like, I don't know, I, I, it, not the way that's like, well, looking back, this is really fucked up because like that take is so boring to me. Right. But it's like, I love this and it fucked me up. Like, how did those things coexist? I either didn't pitch it or it didn't get, picked up anywhere I don't remember what really happened but but essentially then I was like oh I can do this same thing with a bunch of different other like pieces of entertainment during this decade like I can see how I can track like I you know being really into yeah like MTV Battle of the Sexes like what 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 was going on there why was I so obsessed with MTV's Battle of the Sexes same with like the OC and and Harry Potter and all these like very big popular you know pop culture big entertainment things um that I think you know I can I can really trace like the particular ways in which I came of age during, during kind of a weird era pre glee, you know? Right. So so that's how, that's how it came together. Yeah. When reading it, it made me think because I, I'll be aware of the things in my formative years that I'm like, Oh yeah, I was really obsessed with that. And obviously, cause it's kind of queer baity or this was my route or that, but your book goes into it and makes these connections that are kind of unexpected. It goes just beyond 
like, well, this seemed queer. So, you know, like Taylor Swift, that it wasn't so much that you were fantasizing about her being queer. <laughs> it was about the way that she she wrote about love or the idea of love and, and romance and stuff. So I was kind of wondering, like, how long has this been brewing? It, it feels like these connections, you'd have to have a lot of therapy sessions where you really yeah. dig into all these pop cultural <laughs> things to get to it. Cause I'm like, this is like very evolved analysis of pop culture. Oh, well that's like, that's very, that's very nice of you to say. And I'm, I'm glad that it came across as not like super predictable, not predictable. Um, yeah. But I don't, honestly, I, I think that they're all for, for the most part, like the Taylor Swift thing in particular. So like in the book, I have an essay about Fearless, which came out in 2009 and really feeling connected with her as like kind of like lonely and experienced teenage girl who doesn't really have any real life experience to go off. So is just like fantasizing about things all the time. And like to me, Taylor Swift's music, especially the really early stuff is so, it's so fantasy driven, right? And like when you're queer, you're, and you're not out or whatever, like you really rely on those fantasies a lot. I'll just say. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so, so for that, for example, is something that I feel like I have like always just like understood about like why I'm, because I'm like, I don't love, especially with that album. It's like, I didn't love country music. I didn't, you know, and like, you know, then she moved into pop. So like, of course I love pop music. Um, I don't know. That one in particular feels like something that I just kind of always knew. I think for most of the book, it was a lot of things that I just kind of had bopping around in my head for a long time. Like, it's sort of all made sense to me. I'm somebody who like, I think about pop culture, I, culture a lot. I write about it. I revisit things that I liked as a teenager from time to time. And I, f- I still feel like pretty in touch with that entertainment in a way. So I, I think it was still kind of, yeah popping around my head. So actually, you know, yes, I have done a lot of therapy, but that wasn't, that's not what was driving the book necessarily. I mean, (laughs) it made me think I needed to get in therapy just because we are the same age and there are just so many parallels in how we ingested this media and the effect it had on us, especially the Mean Girls essay in, yeah, tracking Lindsay Lohan's spiral and the way it was like tied in with- queerness and Samantha Ron's like just like so many things that I just was Mm -hmm. on a surface level taking in but in hindsight and realizing were problematic but not in a just like that was problematic like you say in the book hindsight criticism is too easy to be interesting like I love how you went in and made really nuanced (laughs) comparisons that I really think I needed to read in your book because I had just like buried (laughs) like it was a really weird decade (laughs) to be a young queer person repressing a lot of that and I think I just coasted into the 2010s and was like I'll deal with that later and it turns out it was until I read your book like there are so many things I just hadn't even let myself think about (laughs) until I read the book (laughs) yeah I mean what was weird like with the mean girls thing was like I you know, as, as I wrote about in the essay, like I loved, like Mean Girls was like such felt like so personal to me, not because it was anything that like I had really experienced like that kind of like plot wise anything. Um, but just because like, I loved the comedy in it. I loved the humor in it. It felt like it was like just smarter Mm -hmm. than me because it came out when I was like 14 and, um, it, 
because it's it's you know it's PG thirteen movie, but it's also really funny for adults. Like it's not it's not geared towards teenagers necessarily. Like it's Tina Fey, like she's amazing. And yeah, it felt like it was just out of out of my comfort zone, and I and I liked that. And so it was weird going back and watching it again, like as I was kind of putting my ideas for this book together, because I think I was going to like make the essay more about Lindsay Lohan as a person, but like realizing that like the main crux of like so much of the drama in Mean Girls is that like Regina called Jay-Z yeah. and a dyke and that that was like and that that was like too mean like it wasn't that it was like hey Regina it's fucked up that you're using gay slurs like or or it's or it's not like Janice being like yeah fuck you maybe I am a dyke like whatever like you know which it, it was it was the, Janice is seeking revenge on Regina George because Regina George was so cruel enough to like right, just that Janice, like the ultimate like offense, yeah. and that I was like, "Oh, that is really." There's like this, you know, a lot of homophobia baked into that, like that in like a really, um, really insidious way. And I think that, like, especially like, you know, and Damien being such like a great, like, out funny gay character, you know, there was I just took away this idea of like. Oh, it's cool right, for guys right. to be gay, and it's cool for, to be friends with gay guys. But like, you know, if you're a lesbian, you're not going to get invited. To like, you're a predator, and like, because like that's yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that was just like really baked into me. I think because literally just because I watched that movie like three times a week or whatever for memorized. <laughs> yeah, every word was obsessed with it. Didn't watch it for years and years, mm-hmm. and then actually in quarantine a few months back, you watched it, and just even the comment just like cut to me in a way it hadn't when I would watch it when I was younger and closeted like just hurt me so much yeah. more as an out like woman yeah like when you're watching it you're just like yeah she is a dyke ew <laughs> yeah. they now edit it when they show it on ew. tv and they say freak instead just so you know oh my thank god thank you so well, much way... <laughs> totally different also, movie like, yeah but then also like it's not just the burn book thing. It's like the like right. there's the whole conversation about how what Regina explained. So that just makes girls sense, in bathing suits. Whatever. Yeah, T- Tina Fey has. There's a lot of. I mean, as also somebody who has watched Thirty Rock all the way through yeah. upwards of fifty times. Like, right. There's a there's a lot of not loving queer women oh, in the work of Tina Fey, which is uh, which is tough to stomach as somebody who also loves her. So, so much. much. We are both Thirty yeah. Rock people uh, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Good. We felt we were yeah. safe with each other. <laughs> Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking, so I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian approved They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. They also have add-ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky. Uh, No prep, no mess, and And when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. 
Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash dykingout50 and use code dykingout50 to get 50% off. That's code dykingout50 at factormeals.com slash dykingout50 to get 50% off. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So your book starts out with Battle of the Sexes, and that's something. Talk about repressing things. I... Definitely watched every episode of both of those Battle of the Sexes. Totally forgot it existed. And when I opened the book, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I forgot about this. And it was a little bit traumatic, I gotta say, to (laughs) remember just how unfortunate those seasons were and how angry it made me to watch and be like, why are you doing this, women? <laughs> like, why are you doing yeah. this to our yeah. entire gender? <laughs> You're fucking us yeah, over. And you just, like, couldn't stop watching. Yeah, so MTV's Battle of the Sexes. So that is two seasons of The Challenge in, like, 2003 and 2004, I think. Back when that it used to like be the- Real World Road Rules. Real World Road Rules Challenge. challenge. Now yeah. it is just The Challenge. Yep. Um, where they split it up, men and women, and... Um, like, so, you know, it's like the idea is to figure out which sex is better. And uh, the men spank the women in both seasons. Oh my like, God. it is yeah, very, yeah, yeah. it is not, <laughs> just like absolutely destroy the women. And um, it is disheartening. But like, I think, yeah, I watched it at, um, you know, I was like in seventh and eighth grade at the time. And I think, there's something really, um, and you know, at that age, like I wasn't, I didn't think I was queer. Like that wasn't really on my radar at all. But I think, you know, but I had been like such a tomboy growing up and I was in this transition period of, you know, going through puberty and starting to have like more like groups of girlfriends and, become, you know, developing just like more intimate friendships with women, women, <laughs> girls, fellow seventh <laughs> graders, not adult women. And so I think that like, I was so drawn to that show because it, it offered this very, um, this, this on a platter was just like, this is the way that men are. And this is the way that women are like, right. and there's something about that binary at the time that was like, as somebody who honestly didn't really feel like I fit into it in a way that like I saw some of my friends doing, um, that that was really like appealing to me that it, it like offered some kind of false guidance. Um, and, uh, yeah, there was like I think I think when you're like I'm a I'm a queer kid, uh, the gender binary. Let's like latch on to that because it's it's safe and and less less scary feeling, you know, which is which is sad. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's what was happening with me. Yeah, I mean, I remembered having this feeling of it's like I want the women to win because I'm also a woman, but the guys are 
obviously so much better at this and the women are doing stupid things and getting in their own way that it was almost making me root for for the men um, because I could only identify or really cheer for two women ever. It'd be like, you know, Ruthie... It's literally just it's Ruthie. just Ruthie. Ruthie. Yeah, Ruthie was carrying that my team. my Ruthie. Yeah, and you're amazing. like, if, <laughs> right? Ruth, Ruthie is that was big my big Ruth. Ruth. Also, right. Ruthie yeah. is like back on the current season mm-hmm. and like got a got a haircut and oh, she looks okay. fucking great. Oh yeah, she's got like a major dyke chop now. It's awesome. It was it was like not only was it like it wasn't just like men are stronger and they're better at like the physical challenges or something like that. It was right. literally just like the women were fulfilling the stereotype of being like so like that you know bullshit stereotype obviously of being like over emotional and and catty. Uh, voting people voting people off cattiness yeah. like bitchiness. They're just like getting in like drug yeah. fights all the time and it's like ladies don't do that. Yeah, you're making us all look bad. Yeah, so. You know, ultimately, I don't think that show accomplished perhaps what the producers were hoping it would accomplish, or maybe it did. <laughs> or maybe I don't it know. did. I don't know who was. I don't know who was behind it. It's just so funny. Huck, no. Huck, oh my god. <laughs> I love that we were watching these like horny early twenty somethings on MTV's like Real World World Rules challenges, but also Disney Channel original movies at the same time. Just like I, I don't know about you, was like desperately like. <laughs> I was getting a little freaked out by like how sexual things were getting on MTV and I would retreat back to Disney Channel and I'd be like, I'm safe here. And I'd be like, wait yeah. a minute, I'm not. This is queer as hell. <laughs> like the motocross, <laughs> the um, Cadet Kelly. You talked about my go-to queer Disney films. We'll call them films. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, motocross is wild. Like, because it's like, I didn't realize this, obviously, at the time that I watched it. I only found it out in, in, you know, doing a little research for the book. But it's supposed to be a take on Twelfth Night. Oh, I didn't even know that. I'm just like, oh. So. <laughs> Wait, that's, we had uh, never been kissed just like, for that, right? Or no, we had, no, uh, not that was no, Taming of the Sh- she's or the, She's, she's the, the Man. Oh, my God, I have them all mixed up right now. No, was Taming, ten things I hated taming about of the you. Shrew was Ten so, Things I Hated About You. Clueless yes, was yes. Emma. But Motocross was... Uh, was supposed to be 12th night as was she's a man um ultimately i think she's the man was probably more successful uh both queer <laughs> as, as, a, hell. as a, a film both queer as hell uh, she's the man i weirdly didn't maybe you know it might have been a thing where i was like mm, this is queer i am not going to process this and i'm gonna put it in a box in my head and just forget about it and whatever like it, it might have been that for me but for some reason she's the man i just like didn't like didn't like latch onto in a way that like i feel like a lot of people our age did Oh, just there's a show in Brooklyn or there was before the pandemic called Queer Film Theory, where you um, take a movie or show and you prove it's queer subtext. And it was like, as long as you haven't done Fine, yeah, a fun. movie that's been done before. And I would look at the list, um, the show producers that send out and everything had been done before. So I like I had to do She's the Man just because everything had been taken because I wanted to do motocross. Oh um, and then um, I showed up for the show and it was me and um, two other comedians. One of them did Cadet Kelly. So I got to do my She's the the man. Oh my god. And then someone Perfect. went beautifully into just the sexual tension, the like BDSM almost relationship between Christy Carlson Romano and Hillary Duff, which you beautifully write about. Uh-huh. I don't know. You just your whole book is so validating. <laughs> oh, that's so what? nice to hear. I'm so glad. Like, we're all thinking I didn't know we were like... all <laughs> feeling this though we must have been. 
but sorry. Yeah, we were That's talking so, about motocross. So nice had no idea it was supposed to be 12. Yeah, that was my that was my major takeaway. The other crazy thing about motocross to me. Okay, so it's obviously like a girl is taking the place of her twin brother in this motocross competition. Mm-hmm. And both of their names are Andy. Yeah. Like, don't <laughs> name both of your children Andy if you don't want them to replace each other in some yeah. way. It is so so weird that they named their twins the same name. That was my big takeaway. Yeah. Uh, Nothing about gender, just, just like weird right. parenting weird choices choice. from these like motocross parents, <laughs> which I guess I don't I don't know any motocross parents, so maybe it's a thing. But uh, it, it's crazy to me that I'm just a few years older than you two. Mm-hmm. I missed all those Disney movies. Yeah. I missed everything because like once you're once you're out of Disney Channel movies, yeah. like, you're out. Yeah, and, like, you I, had, like, I only had you an don't, older like, sister too. Hear about them, right? Yeah, right. There you go. I feel you I go. feel like if you had a younger sister, I did. Yeah, then so I could hold still, on. Yeah, yeah, and watch High School Musical. In. Right, right. I'd say I was a year was too gone. old for that. Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely too old for High School Musical, but I did watch Same. it. Yeah, okay. I did. The only the only time I've ever rear-ended someone is when I was in high school, blaring High School Musical <laughs> in my car. So and, uh, it was. It was <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yeah, I. It wasn't. I, it wasn't bad. It was like stop and go traffic. It wasn't a big deal, but uh, I was like, this is humiliating for me. That's so funny. Just in a very aughts yeah. um, fashion, I too was in the car with my friend. We rear-ended someone scream singing to Image. Um, if- ah! <laughs> Just to put that out there while we're taking this trip down memory lane. For me, it was simple plan. (laughs) Oh, wow. Really good. See, yeah, that is the one. That's like the one like area that I wished I had gotten. I had like touched more in this book was like Blink-182 was very important to me. And I think like simple plan, like all of that, like early 2000s, like pop punk stuff. Yes. um, It was all these like, it's like a very um, and like. It's like a very sexist genre. It is. Right. Um, and, um, and again, me being drawn to sexism, I guess, as a child. Right. Like, that was something that I wish I had dug into. And so I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, like, write something else about that. But, like... Um, yeah, I'm like, can you please? Because you're just processing for me at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do all of your, all of your processing yeah. for you. Because yeah. I went to an emo night, actually. Um, it was marketed as that. It was a pop punk night, ultimately. Um, in Austin, Texas, last weekend, uh, it was an emo or pop punk cover band called Y'all Out Boy. And um, very fun, so fun. They played all the old, like dashboard confessional, like brand new, all those songs, yellow card. And I was so excited, I was feeling so nostalgic. My friends and I were scream singing along, and like in that moment, I realized how sexist everything was. I'm telling you, I haven't processed right. anything from the odds. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. and then you I just gotta, got a little gotta... sad. <laughs> You got to get your your CD wallet back and really yeah. do some flipping through those pages again, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, and I remember also thinking, and, and maybe this was like partially like hanging around with my brother's friends and kind of absorbing this sort of things that they were saying, which who are like mostly boys. But um, like I remember when Avril Lavigne came out, like this this idea was like, oh, she's a poser, which I guess is, I mean, right, you can say right. that because she was like a, because she was so pop, like she was immediately like MTV, et cetera. Mm-hmm, like right. she, you know, she, you can say that she, but was, so was simple plant <laughs> or like, so was simple plant. you know, like, so it was like some 41, like whatever. Oh, that's they the were, one I was yeah. thinking like a very of. Popular. Yeah. It was like a very popular genre at the time. So, and now I'm like, oh no, that was just a lot of sexism. Yeah. So. Right. I I often wonder how I went from being into mostly female musicians to just a hardcore 
with my friends going to like every pop punk show that came in through town. And sometimes I wonder, was that the only way at that point that I could relate to those friends that I threw myself into it? Mm. Because I wasn't relating to any of their guy stuff, their guy drama, their boyfriends, whatever. But I was like, but we can all go see Good Charlotte six times a year. (laughs) And like, I know we all feel the same about this. And like, I can still have a crush on Joel, you know, and it's harmless. (laughs) And then you guys think I'm normal. Like, this is great. (laughs) It's a win-win. Right. uh, Going to Good Charlotte concerts. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it was so sexist, man. Yeah. And it was just, it's this thing of just like men not being able to like process their feelings. Right. They like start an emo, a scream out. I mean, they're grown men. Screaming about like how, yeah. 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 Totally. And like grown men, they're 24. So like, right. But like, it's still, still like too grown to be like, I mean, like brand new lyrics. And it turns out that guy was like, you know, grooming minors, I think. Right. Right. But, um, but like their lyrics are like murderous, like it's crazy. And meanwhile, I'm just like screaming along to it in the car, right? Like, yeah, I hope you fly through the windshield, you stupid right. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, somehow this is like affirming me in some way, and I don't right. know how. And that's something I need to explore. Yes, please do. Oh, yeah, uh, please. Was there anything else that didn't make the book in terms of topics where you're like, there's something here, but I only have this much mm-hmm. room. No, there was nothing, well, you know, kind of baked into the premise of the book is the idea that, like, I'm going to have missed things, right? Like, I was really specific about, like, when I, when I wrote it to be like, I need, I'm going to consider the things, the, the piece of entertainment that, like, I actually ingested and, like, was into as a, as a kid in this era. So there's definitely, and so there's some moments where I'm kind of like, like, I don't talk about, I think I mentioned, like, things like, like, the Britney Madonna kiss, Mm, and, like, the, um, and, like, Tattoo, who, like, Tattoo have been, like, coming up in, like, the media, or, like, like, there, there was some, like, news story about how they're, like, we hate gay people. I don't yeah, know. no, one yeah. of them, um, one of them is like seriously homophobic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's tattoos, not good. But I do think that like, I, with, with those things, again, like those like queer moments that I did, like those are outwardly like, you know, lesbian moments on MTV, like whatever. Um, I did a very good job of being like, this doesn't apply to me, putting it in a box, putting it somewhere in right. the back of my brain and not unpacking this until a long time. So like, ultimately I don't have a lot to say about those moments, you know, like, because I think I just like did a really good job of compartmentalizing them. Like, I'm sure there are lots of people who have like awesome takes and really fun, you know, books that they can write about how Brittany and Madonna, like, fuck them up or whatever. Um, yeah, it's like, I think like the shows and the, in the, the movies and the, you know, books and whatever that really got through to me were the ones that seemed were just seemed straight. So I was like, okay, this is safe. And I can like watch this and try to have a crush on Seth Cohen and try to, you know, things that fall into the, you know, that have like the trappings of heterosexuality. Like, right. like okay, this is safe. I can take this in. And then, you know, of course there's going to be, of course, because like I was queer and I was like, a part of me was like, like reaching for queer content, but like subconsciously, like I'm going to 
I'm going to take in little bits and pieces of, of these different pieces of entertainment and kind of hold them really close to me and, and let them shape my personality and my, my aesthetics, my tastes and like whatever. And like not really be sure why as it's happening. But I guess like that is a long answer to saying, I don't really think there's anything else in the book that like, I think that I really was all the important stuff to you is in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The biggest things are in there. Yeah. Okay. Let's move to the L word. I was dying reading the excerpts. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about the L word again. Uh, (laughs) Reading the excerpts of the reviews from when it came out. That's something that I realized I had never done. I just, yeah, I, I wasn't going to read the, I was just going to watch it. Like when it came out, I'm like, okay, I'm watching this. So to see those (laughs) excerpts, it's really funny. (laughs) The the New Yorker calling the L word quote, truly idiotic is like, I I want a tattoo of that. Like it is, it is so vicious and so accurate. And like moments of it are truly idiotic. Um, Incredible. Yeah, it was, I I think I did that a lot with, um, like with, I I was going back and looking at like reading reviews from like, uh, from the times that like a lot of the shows that I was writing about came out. Um, and with the L word, it was, it was really interesting. I I think I, I also was really fascinated by the, there was like a New York mag review, you know, so when did it premiere? Like 2003, 2004? Um, the end of 2003. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there was, there was a lot of, um, and I also talk about this in the book, but like, there was a lot of, you know, jokes about lesbians being like, being like, everyone's in flannel, wearing Birkenstocks, like being gross and bad at things. I don't know. Right. Like it was just, it was a very like panning, panning the stereotype, panning butch women basically. Yeah. And like, in a way that's like, we don't, why are you doing that? That's mean. Um, but like, so the, so this New York, Mag review was basically like finally the L word is proving that like we're not all like these like gross man hating well maybe man hating but like these like nasty like butch women whatever like so there was this weird like sense of it being like victorious because it like excluded butches right right you know in this weird way that was like 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 making fun of lesbians at that time equals making fun of butch lesbians right and so then. It was like, I feel, it sounded like there was just this, from what I was gathering from reading those old pieces, was this sense from, from like femmes and that was like, we, or, or, or just like non-butches really, that like, we're like, we're taking the reins on what being a lesbian means. Like it was some kind of triumph when really right. it was just like, no, this is just like a new kind of being bad, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. And a new kind of, like, excluding people from your community and a new way of, like, shitting on people. Like, yeah. So that was – so those early interviews were were definitely definitely a trip. You brought up some things that I've even forgot about, even though I kind of recently rewatched a lot of it. But we always talk about how they just forgot or ignored or changed their mind about Alice being bisexual. But, Wild. But the part of her – being with Dana and them seeing Tina get dressed up and Alice says, what is it? You, uh, you are right. Being bisexual is disgusting. Like yeah. that. She literally says that. I, she literally I says forgot it. They about were just like, that. 
I forgot about that. They were too. just like, we need to, we, like, like season one, Alice like is the bisexual, and right? That is, and they like, set it up her... so strong. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, they set and it up they really up strong. And they're like, <laughs> this is a thing. This is a thing we're going to explore. Like this right. is this is also a valid like whatever. Right. I mean, they do a bad job of that, but. But then, yeah, they really drop kick it. I, and, and it's weird what's also bad about that is that, like, like Dana always, like, shat on Alice for being bisexual. And so I, I think that that, like, scene, especially with, like, Dana in the hospital, is, like, sort of supposed to be, in a way, like, a sort of t- putting a bow on that argument for them. And being like, you were right, Dana. Like, now that you're dying, I'm going to give you the gift of not being bisexual anymore. (laughs) Right, right. Which is, it's like kind of meant to be this like kind of nice moment between the two of them, I think. Which is just like so mean. You speak speak, uh, honest truths in these intimate moments, like on someone's deathbed (laughs) in a hospital. And that was the the truth that they let... displayed for us queer women being bisexual is disgusting okay right yeah it was (laughs) it's it was um and then and then they just never speak about it again right um yeah that was that's the l word that's it not great with bisexual women (laughs) you also in the book call the concept of nipple confidence untrue let's unpack that you don't believe it's a thing I don't think it's a thing. Do you think it's a thing? I don't know. <laughs> I guess I never had strong feelings about it, but you're like, untrue. I'm like, do do people be- believe it's a thing? I mean, Maybe Carolyn I'm goes wrong. and bombs her next show because of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it did make me think. Okay, I remember I, when they had the line because I was like, oh, I don't have confidence in my nipples. Like, is that my problem? Like, do I need to feel right. more calm? Like, I've just, they're just kind of there. I haven't thought much about them. And then it kind of got into my head, the idea of nipple confidence. To me, no, I don't think, maybe, like, maybe now it is a thing because it was, like, created by the L word. But, yeah. like, I, to me, that reads as, like, trying to equate nipple confidence to being, like, like, big dick confidence basically yeah it's like like putting putting queer women in the same context as um or as 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 the same context of the same like framework as men or of like heterosexuality right right it's like using trying to use those same trappings to be like oh no it's just like we're the same we just like we have our own thing like instead of big dicks like we're obsessed with like nipple confidence which like i've never as an adult queer woman had a conversation with anyone regarding this, nipple this would be the outside, first. Yeah. <laughs> right. Outside yes. of the context of the L word of right like, now, like nipple confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I guess if Shane had nipple confidence, she wouldn't have worn that vest that only covered her nipples and nothing That's else. True. That's right? exa- the iconic, terrible vest. Yeah. <laughs> I could do this all day. Uh, right. <laughs> and I do a lot of days. <laughs> With the reviews, was that the New Yorker one, the most scathing one? Or what was your favorite one to read? Which one should I Google and read in full and get a good laugh? I mean, the the New Yorker one is, it is, it's not like scathing top to bottom, I don't think. Yeah. That line in particular was was really good. (laughs) Um, But I think there's, there's like a New York Times one that is basically just like, oh, this is obviously made for straight men. And, um, which, which I think I also mentioned in the book, I can't remember, but, um, and, and it's nice to see there are some of those takes out there too, of people being like, 
oh no, this is clearly basically just like softcore porn for men. And like, or there's like the number of sex scenes are so egregious that like clearly you're just trying to get men to watch this show you know um that was something i was thinking about though because i felt like that that was kind of desexualizing lesbians like oh lesbians or women couldn't possibly want to watch women naked and having sex with each other sure so this is for men so that that was kind of how i interpreted that because i remember Mm, being very excited about how much sex there was (laughs) in the l word when i was first watching it absolutely and and like maybe yeah like i mean like clearly that is a reason and i write about that in the book like that's what brought me to the l right 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 right. that's that's what i showed up for for sure but i i I don't know man there's just so much like at a certain point like i'm just like this is so boring no you're right you need to stop having sex all the time like i don't know to me it just reads as a like we got to make sure we're bringing people in yeah besides like Besides lesbians, also like know. stagger the orgasms, like you know, <laughs> just yeah, you know, right, right, right. not n- not always in tandem. Right, right. And that's a truth we have to live by. Yeah. Right, I think I felt that more with Gen Q than I did with the original mm. one, and and maybe it is that I was in such a different point in my life. But with Gen Q, I was like, all right, another L word sex scene, except well, for the they GQ open one. it. I know, yeah, 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 the, that they the open it with a. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, they're they're up to their old tricks because after a while, <laughs> yeah, it becomes uh, such a thing on the show. And was it? Is it just that like like on Gen Q, like it's the same the same rate of rate of fucks per episode? Yeah, roughly. I almost felt yeah. like maybe even more. I don't know. They try to pack so much <laughs> into yeah, too much Gen Q, and kind of to your point in the essay, it's like the whole reason we we watch it is just to all have that one common language that we can talk to and reference yeah. when we meet people or um, yeah. like me and Melody the other night when our uh, mic doesn't work when we're hosting an event. Uh, <laughs> just go into L Word banter and it works. figuring out the audio. <laughs> um, like it truly, I cannot tell you like the number of bad Tinder dates I've gone on where it's just like, just start talking about the L word and like, you'll feel like right. you're having a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It feels like it you're connecting about something. Yeah. Like really, you're just like going through the things, right? Who 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 are you? Who do you hate? Who do you love? Like whatever. And it's like, and I think that in a real way, that is the thing that like, I I would never make the argument that like all, you know, millennial queer women, you know, American women like love the L word. Like clearly, you know, we all have our, it is, it is more that like, even if you haven't watched it, everyone, you have an opinion on it. You have, you have your hot takes, you have your, you know, the things that like, you know, make you laugh the most. And like that in itself, like the fact that you can just kind of bring up, you know, Bet Porter fucking a carpenter in a jail cell to like yeah. most women who are gay of a certain age is like kind of wild and like I don't think really quite exists in it, the same yeah. way with other groups like I and and you know I could be you know I'm, I'm obviously speaking from my own experience and would love to hear if there was like another one but like I kind of you know the L word is is strong. The yeah. brand is strong. The brand is strong. I haven't right. felt um, something quite like it until Portrait of a Lady on Fire came out. And that wasn't yeah. even, that was a fraction of right. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was, it's like one of those things that's like so fun because like everyone sees it. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Like, right. But not um, like a recurring 
cultural touchstone that like spans years that just like we all watch. And it's a good thing, I guess, that we because that meant we only had one thing. And it was like a one size fits all, but actually not most. And (laughs) we have good TV now. (laughs) Right. Now now TV is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Now we've got Mare. Now we've Uh, got Mare's terrible gay daughter. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on today's pop culture landscape influencing coming out now since it's drastically different? Yeah, I mean, you know, I will say, I will preface this by saying that I don't have a lot of tween friends in my life. Um, but I, Bless. my sense is that you're <laughs> not, not a, you're not a member of a boy punk band hanging out with no, high I, school. <laughs> God, no, I'm not. What's his name from brand new? Yeah. I will say, you know, so, so my, my sense is that kids are just coming out way younger now. And I think there are studies that, that, prove that yes. and like certainly you know there's a lot of kids who are like coming out as as trans and non-binary at a really young age which is awesome you know I I can't like point to the research that proves it or anything but like it seems like you know when you have more gay characters in the entertainment you're consuming it doesn't it just kind of puts that little like question mark in your head where you're kind of like oh I like this I'm drawn to this what what's that about you know, like, and, and I, you know, this is the premise of my entire book, but like, didn't really have any gay characters that I looked, looked for, you know? And, and I just remember by the time that like, when Glee came out, I was in college and, you know, kind of like hate watched it, but then like, yeah, same watching it, you know? Um, and I, I, I remember even, I was like 20 or whatever, but I was almost like mad because I was like, I wish this had come out when I was in high school. I was really you know, jealous. Like, I wish, yeah, I was like, I was like, I wish that this had been on when I was fourteen, and that all my friends were watching it, and we were talking about it, and there would just be like a gateway to having the conversation. And so, just like the plethora of of gay shows, you know, gay characters out there, now um, it just seems like that little opening is available to a lot more people at a younger age. Yeah. And it's a lot easier for them, too, to signal to each other based on interests or, like, even on TikTok with uh, Girl in Red. Like, there's so much more shared language there where I remember knowing that this coworker of mine, my first girlfriend, I knew that she was gay in this movie theater we worked at. But I'm like, how do I communicate to her that I also might be gay. Do I talk about Rosie O'Donnell? Like, I don't know what else. And it's like, I knew it from her because she was like obsessed with Angelina Jolie in a way that was like, That's how I knew my high school crush was gay. Yeah. That's another, I should have talked more about Angelina Jolie in this book. I could, I could really use some, I I was just like, yes, girl interrupted, very sexy movie. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, like, what is wrong with me? Um, Yeah, no, I think you're so right. I think there's just like, you know, in the way that like the L word is this sort of common language among women of a certain age, like, I think that there are just more of those common languages that are popping up and that kids are, you know, able to sort of bond over or, you know, whatever, code to each other. Right. You know, yeah, I think I think that's really a point. Yeah, I think they're just actually distinguishing whether or not they're straight at this point. I really right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Through gender reveals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So your book is out now. It is. It's out now. 
You can get it at your local independent bookseller. You can order on Amazon if you if you must. Um, you yeah, those are the those are the places. It's it's most places I think currently. So go out and buy it. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to mention that we get into? Like you do talk about Harry Potter. Oh, we, we didn't even ask get about into the, that. Yeah, they'll just have to read you it. Know, I mean. You'll <laughs> just have to read it. You guys will have to read. You'll have to see the the therapy that we're all going through together <laughs> yeah. via my book. Right. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that we covered a lot of ground. It's hard to it's hard to cover all of it. Um, yeah. So in an hour, so, right? Which is why which is why the book exists. So there. You oh, go. we tried. We tried to cover the queer odds <laughs> in an hour. We we made some progress. Yeah. Where can people follow you on social media? You can follow me on uh, Twitter at. Perry Jatem. It's a pun. I, I love mean, it. Oh, we love that. I love it. <laughs> okay. I really, I know. It's okay. Don't regret it. it. Don't regret it. I don't think I've said it yeah. out loud in about 10 years either. So now I'm like, hmm, it is Perry Jatem. Um, <laughs> and then on Instagram, I'm Muppet baby Muppet two underscores baby. I should also probably change that to make it easier, but that's, that's don't. my truth. You can just search Grace Perry and I'll show it <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. Thank you Amazing. so much for talking yeah, with us, Grace. You. Yeah, this is so much fun. I truly like I could I could blab about this shit forever. Yeah. So um us so, too. yeah, thank you so much for having <laughs> me on. It's such an honor to dike out with you too. Our thank pleasure. you. What do you think, Melody? Are we gonna have Grace on in a year to dike out about surfing? I hope so. And at the very least, definitely the gay 2010s. I need that follow up <laughs> as we rounded yes. out the decade. Way to position yourself to have a sequel to your book. I just need Grace to process all of that for me. You know, I repressed so much of the aughts and learned a lot about myself from reading the book. I cannot recommend it enough for queer millennials. If the 2000s made me gay, did the 2010s make me straight? Mm. Like, what's the follow-up, you know? <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, the 2010s made me more gay. The 2010s, once we hit 2016, baby, I got so much more gay. <laughs> Last time I slept with a man, for sure. Um, yeah, once true, the political true. twist of 2016, yeah. Yeah, nothing got more a lot like more you lean into... Plus more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, God. I, I leaned all I the that. way in. Oh, don't let me talk anymore. Get to the listener okay. question, please. All right. So, I'm a high school student. I recently went through my first real breakup with a girl who I really cared about and still care about. We got together during the pandemic. This meant that we couldn't touch, especially since my parents are both high risk. So, we were basically in a long distance relationship, even though we only lived a few minutes from each other. This eventually took a heavy toll on our relationship, and she broke up with me because of it. I feel terrible, but I understand where she was coming from. I really miss her. The relationship got so emotional so quickly. Part of me wants to get back together so badly, especially since it'll be safe soon with the vaccine. But I know it wouldn't be the right thing to do. What is your advice on getting over someone who you really care about? P.S. How is Sarah McLaughlin not gay? I'm very confused. Please explain. What about Adia? I was tempted to just have the last part be the question. I mean, like the first one, you can figure it on your own. Let's really dive into Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how she's not gay. Adia, I'm convinced, is a gay anthem. In it is the line, there's no one left to finger after Adia. Really? 
leaves. Yeah, there's no one left a finger. There's no one here to blame. There's no one left to talk to, honey. <laughs> honey. Hun. I hope I didn't just butcher the lyrics, but I know that there's there's no one left to finger. And it's a gay song. It's about her friend, Adia. It's about a friendship, apparently, but it sounds really gay. Uh, and she looks really gay. And, and Lilith Fair and all yeah. that. So I'm going to say that she is queer and keeps it to herself. Yeah. Okay. The other question. <laughs> all right. So now we cleared that up. Um, all right. How do you get over someone you really care about? I'm tempted to say you don't have to. I, I know it's high school and you have a lot of relationships uh, ahead of you. But if the main problem in this relationship really was just not being able to see each other during the pandemic, that's like a very situational thing. So if you're vaccinated and your parents are fine and it's safer to be together and you both really like each other and still care for each other and she's up for it. I I don't think that this is definitely Yeah. This is coming from dead in the water. People who always say next and encourage you all to just block and cut contact and move on. But we are saying in this case, it might not be over. You never got the chance to see what it really would be. Exactly. It it didn't get its fair shot. I think that, wow, this is really crazy. It's the first time we're giving this advice because normally this question on its own of getting over someone you really care about is cut off all contact, unfollow on social media, steer away, uh, listen to next week's episode where we'll have more on that. But with this, you know, maybe give it another go and hopefully that there isn't too much baggage from whatever fights you had the first time around that were really caused by this crazy circumstance that changed everybody's world. But if there's a way that you can make it work now and you have a connection, I don't know. You're you're in high school. Now is the time for like a romantic gesture, like a fun. Get that fucking boom box up. In the air. Yeah, yeah. Do do it. <laughs> like go window. crazy. Make a move. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, go for Heartbreak. it. Heartbreak? Yeah. That's okay. That's what get your heart broken. Like that's what these years are for. I wish but... I got my heart broken in high school. More. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I took risks. And, you know, if you don't if you don't go for it. You're always going to wonder what could have been because you never had the chance to really see what could have been. So we're going to prescribe you a grand romantic gesture to win her back. Mm -hmm. I like that. And then we'll give you advice if this goes very south, just in case. Yes. (laughs) We'll move your question to the top of the pile and we'll reevaluate from there. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So let us know. Tell us what happens and how it goes. But get creative, make a gesture and best of luck to you. And we hope there's a lot of love in your future. Mm -hmm. Summer loving. Would love to see it. If you have a question for us, send it to dykingout at gmail.com. We love them. We can't get enough of them. Also, if you are a patron, you can get to the top of the list. And if you're a patron, you can listen to our extra episodes that we put out every week. This week, we talked about FOMO. We talked about the real L word. Real L word. In detail. Brooklyn Pride. Talked about uh, the other things that were making my life miserable this week. Mm -hmm. 
that weren't raccoons. <laughs> really uplifting, fun stuff from your favorite co-hosts at Diking Out. So go over to patreon.com slash Diking Out. You can follow us on social media everywhere at Diking Out. And you can follow me at TGI Carolyn. And you can follow me at Melody Kamali. Thank you so much for Diking Out with us during this crazy Pride Month. Stay hydrated, be safe out there, and we'll see you all next Tuesday. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.